0: You know what Jeff Bezos once said about customers? They are always beautifully, wonderfully dissatisfied, even when they report being happy and business is great. He's right. Of course he is. He's Jeff. It's really difficult keeping customers happy, but one tool that can make a difference is Clavio. You can use Clavio to send texts and emails to customers, like a welcome series when they sign up, telling them when stuff is back in stock, shipping updates, exclusives for VIPs, Discounts for bargain shoppers. You name it, they've got it. The reason Klaviyo just works is they make it really easy to segment your customers and send targeted messages to the right segments at the right time to drive your business forward. If you're in e-commerce and don't use Klaviyo, you're missing out on revenue. Learn more at klaviyo.com Klaviyo, big. That's Clavio, K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot big, B-I-G. Where were we? Ah, yes. Bomb disposal expert Dominic, AKA Bones, and his partner are sat less than a meter away from enough explosive to bring the city to its knees. Not exactly a comfortable place to be. Gently, slowly, Bones and his partner start drilling into the stacks of styrofoam boxes in front of them. No one knows what Big Spender might be planning with all this firepower, but it's clear Whatever it is, it's far, far bigger than another kidnapping. Bones feeds
1: a tiny camera, not much thicker than a noodle, through a hole in one of the boxes. It looks like finely, uh, finely mealed up powder, which looked almost like he'd taken a packet of digestive biscuits and smashed the whole thing up into, into a small powder. The explosives was, was, in this case, in clear polythene bags, which was helpful to our sessions. It just made it easier to see what was inside.
0: Bags and bags of biscuity explosives are packed into this box.
1: It's based on ammonium nitrate, um, so this is a common explosives used in uh, mainland China. It's ammonium nitrate mixed with fuel oil, and it frequently, but not inevitably, had a small amount of TNT mixed in. Using the endoscope, I was able to manoeuvre around and check the rest of the box to check it wasn't booby-trapped. There is going to be a lot of risk involved, if the explosion goes off while you're dealing with it, but also there is a risk involved in the fact that they were frequently targeting you, so they would deliberately uh, make bombs which were designed to explode when you were trying to defuse them.
0: If Bones loses his cool for a second, it could quite possibly be the last thing he ever
1: does. There are no other distractions at all. Your mind literally focuses down onto the bomb you're dealing with, the person who put it there, what their motivations were, the kind of bomb they've they've put together and and your plan to deal with it. Your focus is 100%, literally 100%, not 98, not 99, but 100% on that bomb.
0: This box doesn't seem to be booby-trapped, so Bones gently
1: peels back the tape on the outside to get a better look. I found inside there were bags of explosives, and each bag was roughly two to two and a half kilograms in weight.
0: With one box done, Bones stretches his back and looks around him. There are stacks of identical boxes, littered all around.
1: There were 40, so Richard and I had a, bit of a job. We had to literally endoscope each box, check that it wasn't booby-trapped, then open the box, confirm it wasn't booby-trapped, then move to the next box.
0: Working against the clock, Bones examines all the explosives before moving on to a final stack of containers.
1: And inside we found the detonators.
0: You only need one detonator per device. But sitting in front of Bones
1: arranged in neat little packages of thousands. There was, um, in the end, 1,997 detonators.
0: So, here we have 40 boxes of explosives, neatly stacked on top of nearly 2,000 detonators, which, by the way, are also pretty deadly, or safely housed inside a wooden hut. The dream.
1: Essentially, if you'd have put the 818 kilograms together into a van and detonated that lot together, it would only have taken one detonator. You could have done that. It would be enough to bring down pretty much any of the buildings in Hong Kong. It would have led to widespread death and destruction. But there was no evidence that that was the intention because the explosives was packed in bags of two and a half kilograms and the detonators were too many for that. The most likely intention was that they were going to use each bag on its own um, of two and a half kilograms, That would have led to about 300-and-something bombs available.
0: It's almost as if the plan was to light these bombs simultaneously, setting off a series of deadly fireworks across Hong Kong at the same time.
1: Well, if you imagine the room you're sitting in now, and if two and a half kilograms went off there, you would not walk out of that room alive. You would be be sort of made into a new colour up the wall from Dulux.
0: From Kindling Media and Vespucci, you're listening to Bad Money, a show about power, wealth, and wrongdoing. I'm Jason Watt. This season, Big Spender. Episode 5 A Sprinkle of TNT. Bones and his colleague transport the detonators and explosives back to their facility for testing and safe storage. Meanwhile, the police surveillance of Big Spender continues and it begins to generate some leads. When two of Big Spender's men return to the now-empty bomb-making site, they're arrested. A third is tracked down and apprehended at his home. Almost a year later, in February, the three men are put on trial.
1: So trial was in the High Court in Central in Hong Kong. Bones is there to give evidence. So I was about a day and a half um, plus in the witness box as an expert witness on this case.
0: Our old friend Richard Cook, the journalist, also attends the trial.
2: I went because I I wanted to find out. It wasn't clear what the story was. There was a bomb-making factory. There were these three guys that were arrested. It was a complicated trial. And it was obvious that um, Big Spender was, w- was involved. I suppose I felt I was kind of um, one step away from greatness in a way because everyone was so intrigued by Big Spender.
0: Police officers with rifles are stationed outside the entrance to the court and in vehicles along the street to keep an eye on the crowds gathered outside the building.
2: It goes on for hours, days, weeks. And you stare at these guys and you try and work out who they are, what they're thinking, what they're about.
0: Trial lawyers parade around the court with photos of Big Spender and his gangsters lugging boxes around in the heat.
2: I looked at that evidence that was shown in court and you saw the way he worked. He was was hardworking, he was meticulous, and he had a lot of explosives. But the strange thing is, Big Spender isn't at the trial. He
0: wasn't arrested with his three alleged accomplices.
1: Obviously, there's a whole question as to why... He wasn't then sent to Hong Kong for trial. He wasn't there, but he he was the star of the show.
0: And, understandably, there's a lot of confusion about why Big Spender isn't here. The Hong Kong police have been watching him. They've seen him moving bombs in and out of the building.
2: They said, we're coming close to a conviction. We're closing in on this case. They knew exactly where he was at all times. All they had to do was arrest him. And they watched the comings and goings. They logged those... And and one day they saw him leave, and they they logged in that he was leaving. Whether he realised it or not, Big Spender had been cornered by
0: police. But for some reason, it looks like he's been allowed to escape. The Hong Kong police, it seems, have been given a new set of orders.
2: And they were told to, to pull off from their observation post, not to return, and to basically let him leave.
0: Details of this sudden change of plans start to come out at the trial.
2: In court in Hong Kong, the, the two police officers that had been at the observation post watching Big Spender for, for weeks were cross-examined and asked why they were moved away, why they were pulled off the case. And it, it made no sense, operationally, in a, in a formal operational sense, that there was no reason to pull those two officers away from what was the biggest bomb case that Hong Kong had ever seen. That it was all odd. It made, it made no sense.
0: Puzzled, Richard reaches out to his sources in the Hong Kong police to try and figure out what's
2: going on. In perhaps the most serious, serious units there is in the Hong Kong police, it's called OCTB, Organised Crime and Trial Bureau. As they told me off the record, they had enough evidence to um, arrest him and probably convict him. But as they told me off the record, they were um, informed that they should let him leave and let him cross the, the, um, the border.
0: When probed further, his sources go silent.
2: I was going to meet him for a coffee or whatever around the corner from his headquarters in, um, in Wan Chai in, in Hong Kong. And I actually went downstairs in the police headquarters and I was waiting and waiting and I can't remember if I called him up or text him. And then he said to me, Richard, I can't talk to you anymore. And I I said, what's what's going on? Why not? He said, look, look, Richard, it's just too risky for me and maybe for you. I I can't talk about this anymore. With none of his
0: sources willing to speak, even off record, Richard is about to give up. He starts to think he might never find out why Big Spender was absent from the trial. Until his contact shares one final detail.
2: The guys I knew in the police force basically said, look, this, the whole investigation was, was ordered to be taken over by China.
0: Richard understands the significance of what he's just been told immediately. Mainland Chinese authorities were sending a clear message to Hong Kong cops. Stop tracking Big Spender. Let him leave. We're in charge now. On the outside, it might not seem like a particularly big deal two police forces teaming up to get a powerful gangster off the streets. But in reality, as Richard Wong knows, this exertion of authority from China is a threat to Hong Kong's judicial autonomy. Post-Handover, it suggests a dangerous new precedent. Back at the trial, even without our star gangster present, Big Spender's three alleged associates are attracting a lot of media attention.
2: It was on the, the front pages or page two or page three of Hong Kong newspapers for weeks. There were photographs of them, the, the gang, like moving stuff. You know, it was like a like a stereotypical criminal movie. And they were all stripped to their underwear. One question
0: both reporters and courts were wondering... What was Big Spender actually planning to do with his stash of bombs?
1: There was a a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of rumours going around about what they were going to do with it. One theory
2: was that he was going to put small bombs all over Hong Kong and actually try and hold Hong Kong to ransom. Wouldn't put it past him. He was audacious and certainly more than a bit crazy.
0: Another report suggests that Big Spender planned to abduct the 10 richest men in Hong Kong one
2: by one a kidnap mission allegedly called Operation Sun. And he had this plan to kidnap everybody under the sun that mattered in Hong Kong. Supposedly on that list was Stanley Ho, who then owned the only casino licences in Macau. He was high profile. He was the highest profile. So to kidnap him would fit very well into Big Spender's modus. Also allegedly on that list is Anson Chan, She was the second most senior politician. It's akin to kidnapping a prime minister.
0: There are whispers that Big Spender also plans to target
2: Hong Kong's maximum security prison, Stanley Prison. You know, he was going to blow up whatever needed to be blown up to, to get his homies free again. Whatever his plans,
0: as the trial comes to a close, Big Spender is still nowhere to be found. It seems once again... He's quietly slipped across the border into China and gone into hiding. The only question now is, how long can he stay hidden for? He thought he
2: was invincible. He was crazy. He almost didn't care what he was doing there, who knows. But he he wasn't behaving like
1: Asia's most wanted man.
0: It's summer, 1998. Across the border in China, Big Spender is travelling around Shenzhen, trying, unsuccessfully, to keep a low profile. It's one thing to escape the Hong Kong police,
3: but it's something very different, to try and stay hidden from the entire Chinese state. I think uh, he has been under-monitoring by the Chinese uh, police. So uh, they follow him and then they stop him uh, in front of a uh, highway whole station. This is an official who we're keeping anonymous for
0: safety reasons. We're going to call him Tong. Big Spender and a criminal colleague of his are in a taxi in southern Guangdong province when they get stopped.
2: It's very safe to say that when that happens in China, it's, it's over. You know, those those police, if they want to close down a street or a district or a town, they, they have the, the absolute power to do so.
0: When confronted by police, Big Spender reportedly gives a fake
3: name. Chan Hing Wei. He's trying to pass himself off as someone else. He used a fake China re entry permit to show that he's not a big spender, he's another person. What is he thinking? He's constantly in the papers,
0: celebrating his success on TV. Everyone knows his face.
3: Of course, the Chinese police know that he's Zhang Zikang. So they arrest him. The man who has been slipping through the fingers of the Hong Kong police for decades
0: has been caught. After all that, it's a pretty simple takedown. The arrest goes down quickly, uneventfully. The Chinese police make it look easy. They just whisk him away.
3: Now in custody, Big Spender still refuses to admit who he is. Under uh, interrogation, finally he admitted he is Zhang Zika after, I think, seven days' interrogation. Once Big Spender confirms that he
0: is, in fact, who everyone already knows he is, he's taken to a custody centre on the outskirts of town. It's not like he's never seen the inside of a cell before. But this time, something feels different. Apparently, while in custody, Big Spender recalls a bad omen from about a month before his arrest. A big jade pendant that he wore around his neck to bring him good fortune broke. With his luck seemingly starting to run out, he's face-to-face with the Chinese authorities.
3: Tricky pasta, you can say. Tricky pasta. <laughs> Too much confidence. So he's saying you cannot <laughs> put him in jail. He say that I will not give you any information or anything because when I return to Hong Kong, then you will prosecute me. Officers are required to get a statement from Big Spender whilst he's in
0: prison. Afraid of being prosecuted in Hong Kong once he's released from Chinese jail, Big Spender refuses to talk. It's classic stonewalling. So the officers try a different tactic. They decide to visit Big Spender's wife instead.
3: She's living in a very luxury villa in an expensive area in Hong Kong. she got a very big house. I, I remember he has got a uh, Porsche or Lamborghini, two or three cars, something like that. The officers push past them, ring the doorbell, and announce themselves. She did not open the door. They have to climb over the the wall of the Wheeler to enter the house as the officers wind their way
0: through a maze of rooms they don't know if she'll be hiding or trying to escape then startled
3: they spot her sitting uh, in a sitting room she's also very calm and she also do some makeup she says because i have to go out and a lot of potter will take picture on me officers suggest she puts a hood over her head but she refuses she wants to see
0: the reporters, and she wants them to see her. Arrest her for money laundering, about one billion, something like that. Whilst Big Spender might have masterminded the kidnappings, rumour was that his wife was the one who took care of all the finances once the ransoms were paid. I shall arrest the mother of, uh, Big Spender. Reports say that the 82-year-old woman was one of 14 of Big Spender's relatives arrested under suspicion of money laundering. Others might be overwhelmed by such a large police presence, but Big Spender's
3: wife isn't worried. His wife told the domestic helper, I will return home 48 hours later, so prepare for me tomorrow. Because according to Hong Kong law, we, if we do not charge a person, we can only detain him for 48 hours.
0: Not one of the family members breathes a word about Big Spender to the cops. Remember, none of the kidnappings have been reported. So legally speaking, it's as if they never happened.
3: You know, you cannot prosecute her because nobody makes the ransom report, uh, the kidnapping report, so we cannot say she handled the, the ransom money. Finally, of course, you cannot charge her. Big
0: Spender's wife and mother are both released without charge, along with the rest of his family members. It's a dead end for the officers. But across the border, the Chinese don't seem to care. They've got the man they want. The trial against Big Spender commences in Guangdong Higher People's Court, China, in October 1998.
3: Now that they've finally captured him,
0: the authorities want to convict Big Spender as quickly
3: as they can. In fact, I think they put the case in a fast track to do the trial as early as possible. And they don't want a repeat of the last time Big Spender was in court.
0: There'll be no last-minute surprises here. As a quick aside, it's worth noting that the Chinese justice system doesn't work the same as it does in Hong Kong, or indeed as it does in many other justice systems around the world. You've probably heard the phrase beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the legal burden of proof required to affirm a conviction in a criminal case. In those cases, the prosecution has to prove that the defendant is guilty beyond all reasonable doubt. In China, there's often a presumption of guilt rather than innocence. More on that later. At the trial, Big Spender and several of his gang members are accused of kidnapping, ransom the smuggling and resell of weapons, robbery,
3: and offences relating to explosives. The trial lasts for two weeks. The court did not have any holiday, even on Sunday or Saturday. No stop. And stop at about eight, half past eight, 8.30 until 6.30pm. It's very long. The court
0: barely stops to have a break. The authorities want the trial over and done with. China, remember, are determined to clean up Hong Kong's gang problem post-handover, and they seem hell-bent on using Big Spender as an example. Tom watches as row after row of defendants in handcuffs and prison uniforms are escorted from their cells into the courtroom. They take small steps, shuffling slowly, careful not to trip over their ankle chains. Photo after photo is presented as evidence. But Big Spender remains deadpan. Does he think
3: he can wiggle out of this? One by one, Big Spender's men give their statements. Some of them give their the role, different role in their statement. Some people looking for the hiding place. And some people do the retro kim that they have to follow, prospect. How they go to office every day, was the time, so they need to follow them for a while. Some make the confession... Not like Big Spender, he, make not, he say nothing. The gang gives a lot of evidence about how they prepared for the
0: kidnappings. And as the details get more specific, more elaborate, Big Spender is slowly being hemmed in. How is he going to work his way out of this? Eventually, he makes a decision. Big Spender breaks his silence
3: and admits his role in the kidnappings. Because he know the maximum punishment is 15 years of imprisonment. 15 years for kidnappings. He's okay with that. Back to Hong Kong after 15 years. There's no problem. But he did not admit about the smuggling of uh, explosive or weapons. And there's a
0: reason for that too. The sentence for smuggling explosives and weapons is much more severe in China. It's the death penalty. Big Spender is a production of Kindling Media and Vespucci, and is narrated and hosted by me, Jason Watt. Please follow or subscribe so you don't miss what happens next. The series producer is Mira Kumar. The story editor is Mira Sharma. Thomas Curry is the managing producer for Kindling Media. The executive producers are Will Stollerman, Ruth Edwards, Rich Martel and Dan Murray Serta. For Vespucci. The executive producers are Daniel Turkin, Johnny Galvin and Matt Willis. Original music, audio mix and sound design by Dominic Gozo. Special thanks to Pete Sell and Yu Pang, George Chan.